0: Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the Backroads podcast, where we talk about living life fearlessly off the beaten path. Today on the Backroads podcast, we have with us, they are Ase Go. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Hey. You are going to go and start the show off for us with a poem, and I would love for you to go ahead and do that. Great. Um, so this is, I just want to introduce kind of the dark goddess
1: aspect of myself. Um, so this poem is called, Who is the Dark Goddess? The dark goddess is genderless, is she, is he when they want to be. Dark goddess is midnight warrior in still tongue. Dark goddess is comfortable in the dark, in the resting, in your quiet places and wrecking your peace. Dark goddess is subtle, shadow, disruptor eclipse is black is woman is pansexual and polyamorous and all the things your mother warned you about plus some things she didn't know to fear dark goddess is death decay rest space silence dark goddess is festering under every band-aid you pretended would be enough dark goddess is that pit in your stomach yes dark goddess is that fear and that fearlessness and the discomfort and the comfort in the discomfort, in the most discomfort you have ever felt because you have never wanted to be small. And you know that living big means facing all the fears. Dark goddess is the guide through the dark because we are not afraid, because we know anything within us can't be bigger than us. Dark goddess looks deeply into the darkness and comes back alive. It is the dark goddess who says,
0: look, you will die, yes, but the rebirth. Wow, that is so inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing that with us.
1: Absolutely.
0: Will you tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. So I really started off my career as a poet. And to say career is, um, (laughs) you know, a bit ridiculous there because I did not know that poetry was ever going to be a career. But I started writing poetry I started writing and performing poetry about 11 or 12 years ago. started writing poetry a couple of years before that. Um, so that was really my entrance into knowing myself and into know, you know, being able to language myself and language the worlds that I knew and understood, uh, that were different from my upbringing, that were different from the world outside of me. There was something about being in poetry and being in the poetry community here in Denver, Colorado that helped me really get to know myself and find this rooting in myself and who I was and what I thought um, that I didn't really have access to prior to that. And that became a career sort of wildly and suddenly. Um, I was doing like workshops and getting like $75 for a workshop, stuff like that. Um, but I really just realized that I couldn't work for anyone else. So I just took the leap and quit my job. And I applied for one remote position um, at Lighthouse Writers Workshop as a poetry um, like, kind of coordinator. That was a remote position. It wasn't very many hours. And so I got to teach. I got to teach poetry in schools. And eventually I stopped doing anything that wasn't teaching poetry and wasn't performing. And now I am a coach. So now I really teach people how to step out on their passion, step out and and charge what they're worth and do what they love and not live in this sort of binary of like, you can either be secure at a job with healthcare and benefits or you can be happy, right? And like finding like, no, you can actually have everything that you desire and it's not as wild and as impossible as it seems. And it's actually what you're meant to do. That living should be enough to make a living. The things that you are naturally good at, the things that you naturally love, that is what should sustain you. And so now I work as a coach working specifically with black femmes. I'm also opening that up to women of color, Um, but working to really help them heal the internal story. Because one of the things that I didn't mention in that process, I also worked in the mental health field. Um, And so I I have a, a deep understanding and just have done a lot of like self growth and self healing. So I help people kind of untangle these stories and these underlying commitments that we have to the life that we don't want Because of the stories that we grew up with, because of what we believe we are and are not capable of, because of the stories that have kind of ingrained themselves in us. How do we heal that? How do we undo that? How do we unlearn that so that we can step fully into our power? So that is the work that I do now uh, on top of the poetry. And I'm just incredibly in love with my life.
0: Wow, that is wonderful. Your spirit is amazing. I can feel it. I can feel it, right? And we're not even sitting in the same place, right? Yeah,
1: same to you.
0: You talk about you talk about wanting people to charge their worth and wanting people to let go of that mental blocks they have in their minds. Do you have a couple of tips or tricks that you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners? Because I know this is a big, big problem that we're facing, and people do struggle with charging with their worth and people do struggle with the thoughts that come in their heads and thinking that's who they are and associating with it. So I would love for you to speak on that more. Absolutely.
1: And, and I'm, I'm hesitant to like give like little tips because I feel like the money mindset thing, well, first of all, once you crack it, like once you genuinely understand that how much money you have is literally the amount of self self worth that you have and the amount that you think that you're worthy of having. Uh, and I mean that. Like I feel like I don't know if you've ever played The Sims, but there's a cheat there's a cheat code in which you press what rosebud dollar dollar sign and then you get like ten thousand dollars and you can do it as many times as you want. That's what I feel like my life is. <laughs> like I'm just like there's no amount of money that I can't have. Um and so I get hesitant because I feel like a lot of people are like, Yeah, I know that it's it's mindset and but it's not enough to just know it in your mind, right? It's actually a body thing. It's actually a body knowing. And so what I, so this is like a core thing that I I talk about with my clients and we work through with my clients is, is that unlearning of, of how your, how your stories are, how your body. So what I, one of the things that I've used, the tools that I've used is called a book called worthy. Um, And it's exactly that, right? It's the, it's the relationship between your self-worth and your net worth and so this is a book called by Nancy Levine it's called worthy and so I have a worthy book club that meets every Monday it's totally free so if you want to grab the book and and get in contact with me I can put you in that book club so that's one of the things that helps my clients and non-clients alike just start to start saying what they're worth because the reality is it doesn't matter you know I started off doing poetry workshops at like $25, $50, $75 an hour. And now and then I went to $250 an hour and I was so afraid. I was like, oh my gosh, people are gonna say they can't afford me or they're only gonna they're only gonna um hire me for an hour because I'm too expensive. No. The I got the first gig out the gate was eight hours. Later down, down the road I got 30-hour gig. And then even then I was like actually I'm worth more than this. Yes. And I just recently received a $50,000 grant, no strings attached. The only thing that they asked me to do is keep being a poet and keep doing poetry stuff. So this idea, this idea that, that there's only so much that we can have and we have to be a certain type of person and do a certain amount of work to make money. It, it's just, it's throwaway. And it's more connected to our ideas of what we're worthy of and what we have to do in order to not only earn money, right, but to earn love and to earn just luxury and relaxation, right? We have all of these ideas about what we're worthy of and when we start to shift those, which is a, it's not a quick process. It's not just a mind thing. But when we start to genuinely shift those, the world just opens up to us.
0: Yeah, I love that you spoke to it is a feeling of worthiness for yourself, not valuing yourself for what is in your bank account, saying, you know what, I have X amount of dollars in the bank account, and that's my worth. Your worth is so much more than what is in your bank account. I completely agree with that 100%. And I love that you said that you have to embody that you have to like feel it within your whole body. It can't just be a mind thing that you just think I'm worth more, you have to feel it, you have to believe it with every fiber of your being. And it's not easy. It does take work and it takes continual work because even when you do, you get that 50000 and you're like, okay, now I've got that $50,000 mindset. And then now you have to bring it up 100000 So each time you mm. have to kind of do that work to get you to the next level, to get you to the next level. And so I love that you talked on that and even saying that it's almost an illusion. Like when you were saying mm-hmm. you were charging 25 to $35 an hour and you were like, okay, that's fine. And then you went up to two fifty, and you're like, Oh my gosh, people aren't going to want this. And then you were able to just keep pushing it up and pushing it up. And the people that needed you and wanted you and felt your vibe, they found you, they were attracted to you. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we can start to, start to embody and start to remember that the people that value our worth will find us. And we need to let go of feeling that fear. Right. And we have to value our own worth,
1: right? Like it really starts from within because they're not going to be able to find you if you're not, if you're not willing to be seen.
0: Yeah. That one's an important one. Willing to be seen. I think that's another thing that people struggle with is the feeling of being seen and showing up and being vulnerable because they're afraid of that criticism, afraid of being made fun of and not, they don't feel enough or feel worthy of showing up and being who they truly are. Have you noticed that? Yes, I have. And, and so, okay. So I have one
1: client in particular right now who I've been, and it's funny, right? Cause I've always been a coach. I've always been giving advice and, and, and helping people work through things. And so now this is just my first time, like actually, um, formalizing it and monetizing it, yeah. um, so that I have this. All of my clients are people that I've known prior. Currently, um, are people that I've known prior. So I've I've known this woman for a long time, and I just see I see her power. Right, you know those types of people. Like you see their power. It's obvious that what they have to give is really important, but they're constantly underselling themselves. And I even bought. Her, I even, like, asked her for her services and then asked her how much it costs. And she was like, oh, you know, just send me whatever you feel good about. And I was like, what? No. But I, could, I couldn't really do anything from that position. And then we recently started working together. And it's like she has all the business training. She's, she's gone through the courses. Her branding is gorgeous. Everything is in place. Why isn't this working? and it boils down to this part of her that's just like I don't I don't feel like I'm worth it. I don't feel like what I do is good enough. And it's like sweetheart like and I can say this to pretty much anyone, especially if you're if you're dabbling in your purpose, there are people who are dying to pay you for what you do. There are people who are dying to they would pay you right now. The only thing stopping them is that you're not willing to say this is what I'm worth this is who I am, this is what I do. And so it really does boil down to an internal thing. And that's why I focus my coaching business. Like I could do the business coaching, but I focus my business on the healing part because I know that all of the other stuff becomes way easy when you believe in yourself. When you understand that what you're doing is your purpose on this earth and that the universe is required to support you, Because you're working for the universe, right? Because you're working for God or source or however you want to language that. But you're working, you're doing the thing that you came here to do. Everything is going to support you. So it really is just clearing that block that tells you that you can't do it. And then everything just converges to support that dream.
0: Absolutely. It falls into place. And just that belief factor is such a huge one. Just believing in yourself and believing that you're worthy and believing that you're working with the universe. I love that you said that because we are, we're put on this earth to have this beautiful life and live it joyously and have abundance. And I think a lot of people think that abundance is just hard work and you just have to Mm -hmm. ride for it and you have to suffer for it. You have to sacrifice for it and in order to have wealth. and, And I love that you're speaking to that. The universe is on our side, that we don't necessarily have to struggle and sacrifice and give up everything we believe in in order to be wealthy, in order to be abundant. Yeah,
1: it and that's that's a common belief. And it's and so in the book worthy, you know, she kind of goes through, we have these underlying commitments. We have this it's a commitment. Like a belief is a commitment to say that I believe that I have to work hard. In order to make money, I'm committed to make to working hard in order to make money. A lot of people will turn down a job that doesn't align with their underlying beliefs or commitment, right? And then it's also it can't be true because it is in direct um, like there's other beliefs that we have. That it directly negates like the idea that rich people are lazy and rich people don't work very hard and they're just making their money off of other people's back. But we also believe that in order to make money, I have to work really hard, right? So we have these conflicting beliefs. But what I found, and I'm also a very spiritual person, which is, you know, kind of where the dark goddess part comes from. Uh, what I found is that my belief is not in this world it's not in a capitalistic viewpoint because a lot of our beliefs and commitments comes from the ideas that have been peddled to us by capitalism my thing is if i am alive if i'm doing what it takes to stay alive then i am making a living then my needs should be cared for as a human being and so i believe that to my core and that is the message that I am ingraining in everybody that I can get a hold of, right? That is the <laughs> life that I'm living. So instead of feeling like, I don't even necessarily feel like I have to, um, that I have to do poetry or I have to do healing work in order to make a living, in order to be wealthy, in order to make money, that money flows in regardless of whether I'm doing because I'm being, because I'm staying alive and because I'm focusing on my purpose. And sometimes my purpose looks like getting a bunch of clients and doing a bunch of healing work and traveling the world and performing poetry. And sometimes my purpose looks like resting. And it looks like taking bubble baths all the time. And it looks like, you know, sleeping for more hours a day than, than I thought I needed, because that is the natural cycle of life. And we see that in everything in the world. There's always incubation processes. There's always... Time when things are underground, when things are dark, when things are resting. And that's part of the dark goddess as well. I don't believe in this capitalistic, you must be producing, you're only as good as the last thing that you created. I don't believe in that, right? I know that everything moves in cycles. So I have a life that honors and supports my cycles.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that you put that in a way of nature. Nature is always there are moments of darkness, there are moments of light and we have to use them both. We have to use both of them together in this life. And I love that that's what you're speaking to. And where do you find this motivation and inspiration? That's such a great question.
1: Um <laughs> Okay, so I think it's a combination of Trusting my inner voice, right? I think that's the, that's the place that everyone can start. Is is trust that voice that says, trust that longing, trust the desire. And my partner says, like, if you if you have the desire, that means that it's going to happen. If you have the desire, it means it wasn't put there by you, right? So, for instance, like some people have the desire to live in community, to have a family. Some people have the desire to be really famous. And, and some of our desires can sound frivolous. But in reality, it's like, okay, what do I say when I want to be famous? What I'm saying is that I have a message that I want a lot of people to hear, that I want to have influence, that I want to change the world. And that is actually, at its core, a really noble desire, right? So I, I think the first step is trusting yourself. Um, where else do I find this inspiration? So I listen to a lot of Alan Watts. Um, who is this? He was um, he was basically a poet, but he was a speaker in the '60s, and he has this mind that is able to translate Eastern philosophy into for a Western mind, right? Because there's a lot of things like you can read the Dal, you can read these these Zen books, you can read these philosophies of Eastern of the Eastern world and obviously at its core, that's going to be really beautiful and really helpful. But the problem is like when someone from the Eastern world says God, they mean something very different than the Judeo Christian or monotheistic God. When someone from an Eastern religion says God, they might, they might mean everything. They might mean this, this loving Force that is in everything, of everything, from everything, and creates everything. And that's very different than, you know, the God complexes that we see happening in Western countries and in the United States. Yeah. So I find that really helpful. Like, I would say go straight to the Eastern philosophies. For me, it's just helpful to have um, Alan Watts, who sort of walked in both of these worlds um translate it for me you know and he's a poet and that's my first language yes. so that's
0: where I find a lot of my like okay yeah no I'm on the right track <laughs> I actually love Alan Watts I was introduced <laughs> to him when I was in uh I think it was Vietnam there was this mural on the wall and it had this quote it said the meaning of life is just to be alive it oh, is so crazy. simple and so obvious Yet everybody rushes around in a great panic as if we were necessary to achieve anything beyond themselves. Mm-hmm. And I love all that you're speaking to because this quote that I saw like stopped me in my tracks. I posted a picture. I posted it on my Instagram, I posted it on my Facebook. And I was just like, mm-hmm. wow, mind blown. Mm-hmm. Mind blown. Life is it's, it's that simple. Like you're saying, we're supposed to be here living this life and living it joyously fully. And yet we feel like we have to do so much more than just live when it all boils down to figuring out that voice inside of you and what is it saying? What's that desire? What are you inspired to do? And from day to day it can change. And I think people are so nervous <laughs> when it comes to change, when it comes to when it comes to that thought in their head. Oh, why am I having this thought? I should be doing this. I should mm. be doing that. It's just, I think those are the big things and you're speaking to them and I think people are going to find this so inspiring. I hope so. Oh, no, I do. <laughs> I know I do.
1: That is the perfect quote to tie into everything that we're saying, though. I love that, that that was the yes. first impression you had to him. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, that was the very first thing I saw. I didn't even know who he was. But then after that, immediately, I was on YouTube listening to uh-huh. everything. I was oh, immersing myself okay. in it and I was like, yes, teach me your ways because yes. yes. And it's so soothing. It's it is it's this
1: unattachment to everything because we do. I love he talks about this contraction being the self. Like this idea that okay, in order to be asaytu, I I have to, I have to move in this, in this way. And Ashti does this. And I, I have this personality. And Alan Watts just kind of talks about this, like, you know, what does it mean to be ease? What does it mean to just be why? If, if you are Josie, then why, why, why do you have to move in certain ways in order to be? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. why, why do you then have to do this job and do these things? And yeah, I love that. I
0: love that it is. It really is. And it's so inspiring. And I think people are going to find so much value in digging a little bit deeper into Alan Wass and Eastern philosophy, because they do, they look at life a little bit more differently than we do in the United States and Western culture as where we work to live, where when I was traveling in Southeast Asia, it was complete opposite. People were so content and so joyous and making what they needed to do for the day, for the week and finding time to spend with their families, finding time to find joy, and finding that happiness was what – that was what they lived for. hmm Yeah. Ha- have you traveled to Eastern part yeah. of the world? I actually haven't. I've traveled to pretty much everywhere but Asia. Oh, so you need to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You will,
0: uh, you will just – eat it all up because it is exactly what you're speaking of. And you see it in full light. It's so it's just mind blowing to just see the way that people live and how they're so self-sustained in their way they live too. Like they have their farms and they have the farmer's market. Everybody helps everybody. It's just like one big happy community and everybody's kind of living in harmony, which I didn't even think that was something that existed.
1: Mm, yeah, it. Yeah, I feel that pretty much every time I leave the atmosphere of the United States, I'm just like, oh my, I can breathe easier. Like it's just an easier place to be.
0: Yeah, oh, isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. It really is, especially because it's amazing to me. Because the first that I thought of myself when I just said that was my parents brought us here from Haiti to America mm-hmm. back in '93, mm-hmm. and they brought us here to find a better life for us and for the family. And my dad has always, he's a hardworking, hardworking man. And my mom is a very hardworking woman. And I can't get them to stop working hard because to them, that's the American dream is working themselves to the bone, two to three jobs.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm frustrated because the United States is good at nothing else, but advertising themselves as being the best and the world has bought it. And I am yeah. so frustrated. Yes. Because obviously, we're not.
0: <laughs> You're up We you definitely are flawed. And I think the more people start to wake up to it, I think being in this moment of stillness with COVID, I feel like it's inspired a lot of people to kind of start to ask themselves a little bit of a question of, I had all this time off to spend with my family. I enjoyed this time off to spend with my family. I think they're going to start to question whether or not they want to work 12, 13-hour days and exactly. have no life. Exactly. And Yeah, and I think that's going to be a beautiful thing that's come out of this moment of stillness that we're in.
1: Yes. And I I love that we both started our new ventures in this time. So for me, when the quarantine hit, I had been, I had been kind of, I had been where people were, where people are now within the quarantine before the quarantine. I had been in this like state of like, I can't something, I don't know. I can't do anything. I can't do the thing. And then when quarantine hit, it was like, Oh, this is, this is my moment. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm called to do. Because what did people have to do? They had to sit with their demons. They had to sit with their darkness. And because we live in a society that is very anti dark in pretty much every way you can think of in terms of skin color, in terms of rest, in terms of death, we don't like, you know, we don't, we want production. We want sunshine. We don't want to talk about the, systemic oppression. We don't want to talk about all of these things. And I'm like, Oh, this is it. Like people are forced to sit with it. Not only are they forced to sit within their homes, but we're seeing, we're seeing the veil lifted. We're seeing it revealed how messed up our our healthcare, our healthcare system is. We're seeing it revealed that our economic system actually doesn't support 90% of the population. Like all of this is just being ripped apart and yeah, I absolutely agree with you. People are being faced with themselves without distraction. And, and they're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. This, no, this, this hamster wheel that I'm on actually isn't taking me anywhere I want to go. And I, yeah. I think we are going to see a, a magnificent shift in everything that has existed up until this point.
0: Yes. And I think it's going to be beautiful. I think the darkness that we're facing now could only bring us to a better place. I think I think it, it needed to happen. This moment of stillness needed to happen. And I'm with you. When this whole thing started, it was the same thing. It was like, I'm going to heal myself. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to do the things that I'm felt called to do. And I don't know if a lot of people felt that way, but for me, that's exactly when the COVID happened. I was definitely in the I want to work to be, to build a better future for myself. I have a
1: theory.
0: I have a theory.
1: I think that, so like folks like you and me, first of all, okay. So I use this word black femme and not, not everybody knows what that means. So femme is one of those words um, comes out of the LGBT community and it's, you know, it's pretty fluid in that people define it differently. So when I say femme, I'm speaking to anyone who is targeted by sexism or cis-sexism. So this means anyone who is conditioned or identifies as a woman or seen as a woman and or someone who doesn't identify as a binary male or female person. So that's who I work with. And the reason that I work with Black femmes is because I feel like, and I I would categorize you as a Black femme, I feel like we have the medicine that the world is waiting for right now. And prior to this, I think there was a good maybe like 20-year period where it was really the warrior that was that was necessary. And then I feel like now we're moving into the space where the healer is what's being called for. And so I feel like the people who at the beginning of quarantine were like, oh, let's go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's do this. I feel like those are the healers. And a lot of them were Black femmes. Um, and then I think most of the world kind of had to like go into themselves and really struggled with that and that's not you know that's obviously not a value judgment. we all have our moments and we all have our yes. time to lead. But I feel like the black femme you know the dark goddess, that energy is really what is being called for to move us into the next you know phase of this existence the next like really i mean honestly um the up-leveling of this world as a whole. That's my theory.
0: I love that theory. I think it's beautiful. (laughs) I think it definitely is a time for the healers. It's a time for, yeah, for people to go out there and kind of speak their truth and also be there to help and support others and finding their truth and finding their purpose. So I love that. I love that theory that you have. So, since we are on the Backroads podcast, we do talk a lot here about travel and travel in the form of how it helped you grow and how it helped you to to how you would say level up. Uh, is there a trip that you had take you have taken in your past that <laughs> has helped you in that way? I
1: mean, every one
0: of them has. Yeah.
1: I've taken a trip at least one international trip a year since 2012. That has been my value myself, including 2020. I got out just in time. I was back at the end of February. Congratulations. Thank um, <laughs> um, But yeah, so every one of them has. The one that shifted me the most, 2017, I went to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Um, And so at that point, I was working for a nonprofit that sounded really great. So I was doing social equity work with a nonprofit that was, you know, just all about like bringing community and the kiddos and the administration, everybody onto the same level playing field around what social justice was, how to language it and how to shift it. And so they still do really beautiful work. The only problem and the reason that I'm not naming the organization is that the founder of it had founder syndrome real bad and was just really emotionally unstable. And it wasn't, it was a pretty unsafe place to work. I would be driving into work and get a call from my coworker that's just like, you know what? Just don't come in today. She's on one. You don't want to be here. So that was like my experience. So I'm working there. I'm also. I was in the poetry community since I'm 17 years old. At this point, I'm 27. And I was being emotionally abused by someone who had emotionally abused a lot of other, um, you know, t- mid 20 year old folks in the community. He was in his 40s. And so I brought this forward like, hey, this should probably be addressed. This man should should get some help and and Probably be removed from this community so he doesn't continue to prey on these young women um, and that was just not heard not acknowledged I was victim blamed um, and just basically forced out of the community so that was the position that I was in when I went to Brazil and I got to Brazil and I and and so I'm sure that a lot of your viewers have traveled um, and I don't I don't know if this is the same for everyone but I feel like every time I travel every time I get out of the atmosphere of the United States I am just confronted with this clear understanding of who I am and who I'm not and what I can and cannot do and this was a really big version of that and I realized that I just absolutely could not be a part of this job anymore I couldn't be a part of that poetry venue anymore and I came back and I just shut that all down. And I had been a part of the poetry community for eight years. So this was the entirety of my adult life, right? Like I knew nothing else. And so it was a huge decision to just leave it behind. It was a huge decision to leave my job. Um, I quit without, any, without anything to catch me. And like I mentioned earlier, I ended, that was when I ended up becoming a full-time poet. So that was just a pivotal moment. Brazil was just like it wasn't like anything that specifically happened there. it was just this like reckoning and realization of myself, and also I love Brazil and intend to move there um but yeah, so that was the most pivotal one.
0: yeah, it sounds like it sounds like you got out though, which is amazing. It sounds like, yeah, that trip showed you what you didn't want and what you did want. And that is, I think, yeah, like you said, a pivotal moment in your life. Thank you for sharing. And
1: not only did it show me what I did and did not want, it made it impossible for me to be able to stand it. Like I, like, kind of like, like quarantine is doing for for a lot of people. Like I just couldn't do it anymore.
0: It was your breaking point. Enough is enough.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. So if you had to pick a trip that was your most fun trip. Mm. Oh, okay. I got a good
1: one. (laughs) So this was my first one by myself. So this was in 2012. I went to New Zealand and um, I hitchhiked, met people in hostels. I met this woman from Guatemala named Karen and um, we were traveling. We hitchhiked to this it's called the cathedral cave and it sounded a lot cooler than it was but anyway so we hitchhike with this um father daughter uh, couple they pick us up and then we see them running back from the trail when we're walking down to the cathedral cave and then we go to hitchhike to the next spot and they pick us up again so we're like oh my gosh we have to do something and so it's the 16 year old girl and her dad and she's just like, dad, we should take them on the boat. We should take them on the boat. And I'm like, chick, we're not going to go on your boat. This isn't happening. <laughs> and like, yeah, we need some extra folks to blah, blah, blah. Long story short, they end up taking us tubing. We go water skiing. We go to this cave that is, I don't even, like, it just doesn't even sound real. But you look up and it's open at the top. Like, you're in this cave. And then the top is just skyline, but you can still see like the top of the cave or the mountain. I don't even know. It had, like, you can still see the trees at the top and stuff. It was just insanely beautiful. We saw penguins. We, we chased dolphins for an hour. There were like these dolphins that came and like tried to play with us. And then we just like followed them. It, was it sounds magical. <laughs> yeah, it really, really was. It was incredible.
0: And sometimes on a trip, on a journey, I think those moments that you don't think something that spectacular is going to happen are the times when something spectacular happens. Like you were saying, you were hitchhiking. <laughs> you were saying you weren't going to get in this. You weren't going to go boating with these people. You didn't know these people. Right. And then it ended up being a story now that it, it will forever be in your memory.
1: Yes. And my big my big thing, especially now that we, you know, that it's un that it's ill-advised to travel. Uh, My biggest thing, and this has always been a goal, is like I want to live the way that I travel, right? Because like traveling, I think for a lot of people, it just causes you to just kind of just trust. You just kind of like throw yourself to the universe and like, I don't really know what that sign says because it's in a completely different language and I don't know where I am and I don't know where I'm staying tonight, but (laughs) I know it's all gonna work out. And so really living that way, right? Because I for a yes. long time it was like I would travel that way and then I would come back home and and get real serious and, and be my adult contracted self and be like, okay, I need to figure out the next five years of my life. And not that there, you know, isn't value in like having goals and having dreams that are that are five, ten years in the future, but also just having that like and I'm just gonna throw myself
0: into it and know that I'll be caught. Mm, yes. I completely agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, when you're traveling, it's so much for me too, it's so much easier to go with the flow and the belief of knowing that everything will work out. And everything always does work out. But then whenever you come home from a trip, it's so hard to have that feeling. Why mm-hmm. is that? Like it's so <laughs> hard. It's
1: <laughs> a great question. And I think there's a you know, there's a lot of things. I think particularly in the United States there's a there's a culture, it's in the air. There's a culture, there's a stress culture, right? There's this equivalency of like, if you're not stressed out, if your phone isn't blowing up, if you don't have a pager and, well, not a pager, but if you don't have like your Bluetooth connected to your watch, that's connected to your text messages, that's connected to your computer, you know, you're just not, you're not doing enough, right? And so I think that there's a culture here that's really anti-trusting, um, and I think that they're like that Alan Watts like contraction. I'm not explaining that quite the way that I want to. Uh, but thinking about like kids, you know, when they play with their dolls and then they pretend to be the adult and they get all serious yeah. like, like this, <laughs> and can only move their shoulder side to side. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like that's what we believe that being an adult and being responsible is. Um, and so, again, it it goes back to really unlearning and embodying what does it mean to trust that, you know, if you're here, you're good. Like, if you're yeah. here, you know what you're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, living with that childlike wonder. Like, honestly, when mm, I'm traveling, yeah. I am so curious. I am so, like, one with the universe, one with myself. It feels like everything is just in flow honestly. And like you said, you come back and you have to be that adult. And I saw that visual, like I saw that visual of a child <laughs> trying to be an adult. That's exactly what they do. Their voices get deeper. They get more like, they get more like stiff as a board and they really move their bodies. Yeah, <laughs> like, Wow. Right. Yeah. It's definitely worth, worth trying to find that childlike wonder. It is worth working towards for sure. Cause it is the best feeling in the world it's definitely why I'm addicted to travel, I think. It's because of that, very much that feeling. Mm. (laughs) So how do you find confidence to put your poetry out into the world? A lot of people have a story. A lot of people have these creative gifts. But I think the things that's stopping them is that confidence to share it.
1: Wow. That's a great question. Um, I think you just do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, like, right? Like, it's like you can wait you can wait for the confidence, you can wait for the fear to die down, you can wait for it to you know, you can tell yourself all sorts of stories about um what you need in order to do it. And I think none of them are true. I think that anytime and this is really important, anytime you go to leap, anytime you go to do something that you know, that that makes your stomach all all queasy and butterfly, any time that you Go to live your purpose and do anything that you're afraid of. You know, a lot of people tell themselves the story is like, oh, you know, I just need to be more secure in my career. I just need more money. I need more this, I need more that. The fact is, anytime you go to that cliff, anytime you go to that edge of yourself, you're going to be afraid. And so you can put it off as long as you want, but eventually you're just going to have to do it. You and the fear are just going to have to link arms and jump. And so I don't think that there's any magical um, formula to how I'm able to do it. I started off young. I was 17. I started off in open mics where I didn't know anybody and I was really nervous. And I was you know, telling myself all sorts of stories about my worthiness and, and how good the poet before me was. And I still do that to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just did it anyway. And I did it a lot. And that is the only thing that could ever make me comfortable at it. That's the only thing that has ever made me good at it is just doing it and doing it over and over again.
0: Yes. I think that is the recipe doing it scared, doing Mm -hmm. it messy, doing it a lot until you believe in yourself. That Mm -hmm. is it. That's beautiful. So on the other side of confidence is that ego self. So that's the self saying that you can't do it. Mm -hmm. That's the self that, it's almost sabotaging you, but trying to protect you. Right. In a sense, how do you yeah. do that side? So that's, that is really where my healing
1: work centers for myself and for others. So I work with this model, therapeutic model called IFS, which is internal family, family systems. And it's basically that it's like, it was co- It was developed by this guy who heard a lot of his clients saying like a part of me you know knows that i can do it and knows that i should put myself out there and knows that there's only one way to get it done which is to do it. Um uh, but another part of me is telling me that i can't and i shouldn't even try, right? And so this this formula, this IFS formula is basically like, okay. So we have this self S with a you know, self with the capital S. Um and that self is this pervasive knowing that you're worthy that you're here to do good, that you're here for a purpose and that the universe supports you. That self all is always there, is always knowing that, it's always present. And then we have these other parts that develop throughout our lives because of experiences that we have, because of stories that were told by our caretakers, by the world, because of conditioning, right? And so that, and I think that's what you kind of mean by ego self, it's this part that that breaks off from the self to, to protect us. So there's two different parts that break off from the self. So there's the exile, which is usually like a child part that's been harmed, that's been hurt, that is carrying some sort of wound and is associating that wound with like, well, I did X. So if ever I do X again, Y is going to happen. So for instance, it's like, Oh, I, you know, I, and this is like a small example. They're usually much bigger than this. The ones that really get conditioned in our bodies. But like I knocked over the cookie jar and broke the cookie jar and my mom cried. And now I just, I have to be very careful that can't take up too much space. Right. And so somebody like that might have visibility issues. And then there's the protectors. So this is the second part that breaks off of self. There's the protectors that just come in and say, okay, now you just stay stiff. Don't ever do that again. We can never, ever, ever do that again, right? So I use this model um, because the more that people work with it, the easier it is to see that every single part of you is working for your good. Yeah. Every single part of you, the exile, the protector, the self, they're all trying to make shit work. And so, if you can sit down and have a conversation with that protector self that's telling you, "Don't step out, don't be visible, you remember you know like remember what happened last time, and maybe that's not like the immediate thought but but you'll notice like your life will bring up the same kind of scenarios over and over again that reinforce this idea like if you move too much, you're going to knock down the crooked draw and make somebody who you care about cry right yeah. so what, what we do is we literally sit down, pull that protector in front of us and say, hey, I see that you're working really, really hard to protect me. You look exhausted and it's not really working. Like I'm still ending up in these situations. I'm not happy. I don't feel whole. How can you and I work together so that, so that I, can, I can do what I'm here to do? And this, and I'm obviously I'm simplifying a lot. This is usually, you know, at at the smallest point, like four month process. Yes. But what that does is it eventually that part will integrate with you. And once the protector is kind of calm, you can talk with the exile and relieve it of this burden of carrying around this emotion, this huge shame or guilt when you saw your mother cry or, you know, whatever the scenario was. You can unburden it and, and literally what is happening is you are rewiring your brain. You are integrating this energy back into yourself, into yourself with a capital S. And then all of that energy that was diverted into trying to protect you and trying to make sure you weren't too visible and trying to make sure you didn't mess up. All of that energy just comes back and, and you can more clearly like, like a hot knife through butter move towards your dreams. Yes, but it does. It takes work. It does. Yeah. And mostly, and like, and work is an interesting word, right? Especially in this culture. It's, it's, it's like, you have to just be with it. You have to be willing to, again, go through the darkness, to be in the difficulty and, and to, to look this part in the face in what they're experiencing. Because that exile part, is still living in that moment, from 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 whenever it happened, from whenever it like broke off, from whenever that event or series of events happen, that part of you is actually still living in that moment on loop. So it's like going back and retrieving it and saying, "Hey, I know that that was really hard, and I know that you didn't have the tools to deal with it, but now, at as an adult at my age." And with the knowing that we are loved and that we are healed, it's okay. We can, we can come up, we can reintegrate. We have the tools to deal with this and we don't have to stay stuck there anymore.
0: Right. Don't live there anymore. Mm -hmm. We have to go back. We have to go back Mm -hmm. in order to do Mm -hmm. that. My favorite question is what is this protecting me from? Whenever Whenever that ego starts to, paralyze me and i feel that fear and i feel stuck mm-hmm. i ask myself what are you trying to protect me from oh great and question that's perfect when you sit and you meditate on that question i mean sometimes you fall your eyes out yep yep, yep. <laughs> but what comes from that is just therapeutic it's just healing yep and like i like i love how you said it's not it's work but it's not work it's healing it's
1: yes it's,
0: it's a different type of work it's not the type of work that is hard in the sense of like you're grinding hard is the type of work that you have to want to sit with it. You have to want it for yourself mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Yeah. And it's so important to make that distinction, right? Because I feel like a lot of people are thinking, you know, back to this idea of I have to work hard to get money. They think like, I, I just gotta, I gotta push through the pain. I, you know, too bad. Oh, if my parts are saying that I can't do this, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like bang mm-hmm. through it. And it's like, I'm sure that that might get you, That'll get you somewhere. It's definitely going to have limitations, um, and 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 I think why we ball when we actually ask that question and listen to the answer is because we are so often ignoring these parts of ourselves, right? We're so often like pushing through the pain or or not, and and basically these are little children who are begging for our attention through. You know, through negative actions, through behaviors that are saying, hey, I'm here and you're not listening to me and I'm feeling this way and I'm afraid and I'm trying to protect you and I'm trying to do all these things that when you turn to that protector, you turn to the exile and say, hey, what do you need? What's going on? Like yeah. we fall because it's that feeling of like, oh my gosh, you finally see me.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. It's begging us to pay attention. It's begging us to go within because we we have the answers. Yes. We have the answers. All we have to do is ask and listen. Yes. And it's scary for some to do that because they're not sure. I think they're going to like the answers that they get. hmm um, uh-huh but then we get the choice after we get the answer. After we get that healing, we get the choice to continue or change or adapt. We get to choose. I think that's the freedom when we do the work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. Yeah.
1: And the unconsciousness that occurs when we are afraid to see ourselves, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if anybody else experiences this, but you know, like, Oh my gosh, why did I do that? Or or where did that come from? or, you know, oh man, I did that. And now that I'm looking back on it, I realized that I was feeling X, Y, Z and I was responding to, you know, all of these things internally, but, but now it's too late, right? Now that person is pissed at me or that situation is ruined because I wasn't willing to sit with the emotion and be like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling abandonment issues. That's why I'm, I'm rushing out, you know, I'm reaching out for this person or whatever it is. So, I think that there's, yeah, I think it's the ability to choose. Once you're aware of yourself, once you're aware of all of your parts and the unintegrated and the unhealed and the feelings and all of the things that we tend to run from in ourselves, then you have the ability to choose how you respond instead of just being on an unconscious loop.
0: Absolutely. And that's the ultimate freedom to me is that ability to make that choice, the ability to. Yeah, to live freely and at peace with who you are—the ugly side, the dark side, the side that you don't want anybody to see—it's right. worth—it's worth searching for. And it's worth sitting with yourself and finding those parts of you. I say. So I'm sure our guests, our listeners, are going to love to connect with you further because you have been so inspiring. You have a light about you, and we're not even in the same room, and I can just feel it. (laughs) I do. Thank you for sharing your heart with us. So where can our listeners get more of you?
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. This has been really fun.
0: So, um, my website, asetushango.com,
1: that has, um, space for you to work with me. You can book a call with me and we can see if we would be a good fit. Um, and it also just has some of my poetry. So if you're interested in hearing more of my work, you can go there. Um, on Instagram, asetushango. I am I do Word Wednesdays every Wednesday. So I hop on live and chat with people and do a poem and sometimes I give writing prompts that can kind of help you heal and move through different things and see different aspects of yourself. Um so I encourage you to follow me there and also on Facebook, you can find my fan page at Ase to Shango. So I'm just Ase to Shango everywhere. And I like to plug if you if you really got something from this message. I would love to um, receive a contribution if you're in the space to do that.
0: And that is Vinmo Aseitu Dashango. And do you have any last words of wisdom, quotes, or just something laying on your heart that you would love to share?
1: Mm. Yes. So this question. <laughs> I, I, it's a writing prompt that I use for folks and most people run from it immediately so that's okay if it, if immediately you're like no I don't want it just write it somewhere it'll return into your life when you need it um, the writing prompt that I love to offer is where are the places inside of you that you don't go and just yeah just explore that where are the places inside of you that you don't go um, write about what you, what you find there, what possibilities are, are there that are undiscovered. Um, yeah, just, just explore those spaces in yourself that you tend to avoid.
0: Beautiful. You have been a gem. It has been so good to <laughs> talk with you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and your heart. You have a beautiful day, and thank you for showing up.
1: Thank you. Talk soon.